Good morning. <laughs> Today I'm going to talk to you about love, <laughs> specifically everlasting love, which is God's love. God's love for us is what I'm going to talk about. And how do we know that God loves us? Because of Jesus. I wore this sweatshirt special. It's my all-time favorite sweatshirt in the whole world. I love this sweatshirt <laughs> because of Jesus. We know that God loves us because of Jesus. And um, so I want to talk about everlasting love. And uh, Jeremiah 31.3, it says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love I have drawn you to myself. God's love for us is just so huge. It's, we almost can't even truly comprehend or understand it. But there's a lot of scripture a lot of scripture, which is truth, is God's word that tells us about his love for us. And, um, and I'm going to share a lot of those with you. Um, not all of them, because there's just it would take up the whole time, if not more. But I am going to share a lot of it with you. Um, I, I just love God's word. And, um, and I just want to give a quick plug-in to... Um, version Bible app. I don't know if, uh, I think Mary maybe um, had, had talked to you about it before, I'm not sure, but there's an app that you can get on your phone. It's called version Bible app, and um, that's, I use that to read the Bible a lot, and I absolutely love it because I can um, switch to different translations, and, and the other thing that's so cool about having that app is that you can connect with other people, um, and so you can do studies together because I think it's important not only to read God's word, but to study his word, not to just like read it, to pick up the Bible and read it from front to back to but actually study the Bible, to study his word. And um, this app has so many ways that can help you study and you can connect with other people and hold each other accountable. Um, and uh, so... Anyways, just, that's just kind of a side note. So, what is love? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love is so much more than a feeling. In fact, some people say love is not a feeling. It's an action. But I, I think it's both. God shows us, shows us his love by sending us Jesus, which is an action. Um, and Jesus shows his love for us by going to the cross for us which is also an action. But I think it's also an emotion. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, that we can do all, thing, all kinds of good deeds and even sacrifice ourselves. But if we don't have love, we have nothing. If we don't have love, we have nothing. So we know emotions matter to God because he expresses emotion. And he created us in his image with emotions and feelings. And feelings are a way for us to connect deeply with God, too, and with other people. Feelings can motivate us to do the right thing. 
but they can also lead us to do the wrong thing. So we have to be careful because Satan likes to use our emotions against us and he lies to us. That's why it's so important for us to know the truth, which is God's word, so that we can reject those lies. And um, feelings are not fact. This is a, a phrase that um, my mom used to tell me all the time when I was growing up. Feelings are not fact. Feelings are not fact. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's true. Just because I feel unloved doesn't mean that I am. And um, so the truth about emotions is that feelings change, and God doesn't. God is love. God is steadfast, everlasting, never changing. Because our feelings change, they can't be trusted. But God doesn't change, and he can be trusted. He is so trustworthy. It's so important that we don't allow our emotions to control us. But we also shouldn't ignore them because they're an important part of who we are and, and our makeup and our ability to connect deeply with God. And um, God tells us in Deuteronomy 65 that we should love him with all we have in us. And Jesus repeats that in Matthew 22:5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And he loved us first. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4:19. God loved us first. He loved us before he created us. Jesus loved us and went to the cross to die in our place before we were born. And also in Ephesians 1.4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God loves you. Many of us have a hard time understanding the love of God. I personally have struggled with understanding his great love for me and um, his love is just so incredible. It's so much more than we can even truly understand, but it's true. It's true. His word is true, and, and it's just pointed out in his word everywhere. Do you believe that God loves you? There's a, um, there's a movie called The War Room. Um, many of you may have seen it. Um, if not, you should. It's an, a fantastic movie. But the name of this movie is The War Room. And there's a scene in this movie where the, the little girl, um, the little girl in this movie is sitting with her friend and they're talking. And her friend is telling her about her mom and dad and um, a story about her mom and dad and how they were laughing and it was so funny. And, and then this little girl says... I wish I lived at your house. Whenever my mom and dad talk, all they ever do is fight. And her mother was uh, outside the door and she overheard this conversation. And her mother was just devastated to hear her daughter say that. She was just broken. And so then later, the mother sits down with her daughter and is talking with her. And she was like, well, you know, I'm really sorry that, you know, things have been this way. And she's like, you know that your dad and I love you, right? And and the little girl says, well, I think you lo might like me, love me a little bit. And her mom was just like, a little bit? You're my daughter. I love you. And I think about that, like, with God. Like, we're his children. God loves us. And, and so do we believe that God loves us? Or do we, are we just like, well, I think he might love me a little bit. 
<laughs> God loves us. And, there's, and as I, I've been repeating over and over, there's so many scripture, and I'm going to read a few right now because it's just so good. So John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. In Isaiah 54, 10, for the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Romans 5.8 But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In Ephesians 2.4 and 5 But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that he that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And then this last one, Zephaniah 3.17, I love this one. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will, he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Just think about that. Isn't that amazing? And there, some of the versions of the Bible, that the translation to that verse, it says that um, he delights in us, and it says that he sings over us. He sings over us. Isn't that amazing? God loves us so much. And his love is unconditional. We can't earn it, and we can't lose it. Nothing can ever separate us from his love. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. That is, that is unconditional. You know, and, and um, with people, it's different. You've probably been hurt or betrayed by someone before at some point in your life. Maybe you've experienced that more than once. I know I, know I have. And loving and trusting other people can be risky business because people are people. They're imperfect, and, and each and every person is struggling with their own shortcomings and hurts and failures. But because we've been hurt, we might hold back in giving or receiving love with people. But in contrast to that, God's love is truly unconditional, and he has never failed us and never will. He's never betrayed us and never will. And so we don't need to hold back in our relationship with God because he is so trustworthy is so faithful he keeps every promise to us his love for you is not based on what you do or don't do 
And I used to really struggle with this. I, I sort of thought, probably subconsciously, I don't know that I would actually have like even admitted it out loud, but it was probably at a subconscious level, but that God, um, that I could make God love me more by doing a lot of good things. So if I worked hard, I served at church, I was good to people and, and helped people in need, then, then he might love me more. And, and the, the contrast to that would be the opposite of when I didn't do those things or when I sinned or failed or even when I just struggled with temptation, I might believe that God loved me less. And I might even try to make up for it um, as if his, his grace wasn't enough for me or that I could indeed earn his love. But those are lies. Those are lies from Satan. His grace is enough, and I can't earn his love. There's a quote from Martin Luther. It says, The sin underneath all our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and that we must take matters into our own hands. Oh, you guys. Satan tempts us to believe that we can't trust God's love and grace. He does. He tempts us, and, and we, we buy it. We, we believe that lie. And it started right at the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation in the Garden of Eden, when, he, when the, the serpent went to Eve and was like, did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? I'm um, reading a book right now. It's called Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. It's by Nancy DeMoss Wolmuth. It's fantastic so far. I'm not finished with it, but there's a chapter in that book um, entitled God Doesn't Love Me. And this is a lie that a lot of us probably wouldn't admit to believing because we know that we should believe that God loves us. But sometimes what we know in our brain, in our minds, what we know doesn't necessarily match up with what we're feeling emotionally. And that's where the problem starts. We start to trust what our feelings tell us rather than what God's word tells us is true. I mean, look at all the truths that I already pointed out, that I already shared with you in the scripture. And instead, what we do is, um, instead of looking to his word and the truth, we look around and we look at our relationships and our experiences. And, um, you know, it could be like a rejection from a spouse or uh, adult children who don't want to have a relationship with us or don't visit us or, um, or you're approaching a certain age in life where there's just no love prospect in mind or, or in sight. And um, so our feelings start to tell us that nobody loves us nobody loves me, not even God loves me, and um, he might love everybody else, but he doesn't love me. We, and like I said, we might not even say this out loud, but it is what we're feeling. It's what we feel to be true. So then what happens when we're, we're having those feelings, then the seed of that lie is planted in our minds, and then we start to think about it, and eventually we believe the lie. And we think it's true. And then once we believe that lie, once we see that is true, then what happens is our behavior starts to follow. And um, our behavior starts to, to, 
to follow what we're believing, and then we find ourselves in a really bad place. Believing that lie that God doesn't really love me is really no small thing. Seriously. It can cause some serious damage. This ha- I know this because it happened to me. I believed that lie. I did exactly what I just warned you all against not to do. I did it. I looked at my relationship with my husband and the people who were around me, and I felt unloved. And I started to believe it was true. But the truth is, I am loved. The truth is that God does love us. Whether or not we feel loved, no matter what we have done or haven't done, his love is with us. It's an infinite, incomprehensible, reckless, everlasting love. It's love without conditions. His love for us is not based on anything we've ever done or ever could do. And we don't deserve it, and we can never earn it, just like the song that we just sang today. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And there's another lie that we believe, and this is also talked about in the book that I was telling you about. And this lie is, God is just like my father. So often we view God in the way that we view our earthly father. And this, for some people, can be a really, really bad thing. Um, My relationship with my father was not great. My father was an alcoholic, and um, he was emotionally unavailable to me. Um, He was a stable provider, so I think I think of, like, God as my provider, and my, my earthly father was a provider. But emotionally... My, my father was not available to me, so I think that I, I could I maybe struggle with um, seeing God as emotionally available to me. We call God Father, and Jesus even taught us to pray that way, our Father in heaven, and he is our Heavenly Father, but he's also God, and he's perfect. He's not like a human. He's not like our earthly father. In Numbers twenty three nineteen, it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? No. The answer to that is no. <laughs> so God is, he's not, he's not like our earthly father. He's God. He's perfect. So if your relationship with your father wasn't good, it might be hard for you to trust God. You might even be afraid of him or angry at him. But the truth is that God is different from any man that we've ever known. Even the wisest, kindest earthly father is still no comparison to our heavenly father. God is infinitely more devoted and pure and loving than even the most wonderful father. That's why it's so important that we don't allow our view of God to be determined by other men. Because even at their very best, they're still a flawed representation of God. And they can never love us the way God loved us. Or loves us in his perfect love. His love is perfect. And his love is a gift. Don't reject his gift of love. We are his children and he wants to love us. 1 John 3, 1 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that's what we are. 
I kind of had a perspective change in seeing myself as a child of God. I attended a healing retreat, and um, during this um, time, I was um, I was doing an exercise where I was I was led to to think back to different times in my life, starting from when I was an infant in a crib, and then I was asked to invite Jesus in. Where is Jesus? And 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 how how does Jesus feel about you? Well, Jesus is looking at me in the crib, and he loves me. And then we moved on through my life. And as we got further and further into my life, then I started to have all these things. Like, I hurt and shame and guilt and sin and all these different things were becoming factors throughout my life. And um, so I was in these different scenarios and inviting Jesus in. You know, where, where, where is Jesus now? How is he, how does he feel about you? Well, that never changed. That never changed. I, I, could, I could just vision Jesus standing there looking at me, and it was the same every time as it was from when he was standing at my crib looking at me as, a, as this beautiful, precious inf- infant child. To all these situations throughout my life, he's still standing there looking at me and feels the same way about me. He loves me. I'm his precious child. And so my perspective was changed on that. And, um, and I'm able to see myself as this precious child of God. And, um, and it's really funny because I, um, at, the, at the end part of this exercise that I was doing, I was in a really um, bad place where I was feeling really unloved in my life. And, um, but now Jesus is there. And so um, I was asked to ask Jesus what to do with all of these burdens that I, was, that I had acquired throughout life that I was apparently still holding on to. Didn't realize it, but apparently was. And Jesus told me to throw them in the sea of forgotten. And so I was physically picking up these, because I had a symbol, they were pillows. I was whipping these things behind me, naming them, each of them, and just throwing them behind me as hard as I could into the sea of forgotten. And I was able to completely let go of all of those, and I was able to see, um, I was able to see myself then, how Jesus sees me. And it was truly amazing. It was truly amazing, and I was able to see myself as, as precious to Jesus. And I came, I came across this picture of myself when I was about two years old, and I now have it in my room. I've seen this picture throughout my life. It was a studio picture, and, and I never really thought much of it, but now I love it, and I have it sitting in, in my bedroom, and I see this picture, and I'm like, that's me. That's me, and Jesus loves me, and it's like the same me, and so I just love that. We're his children, and he wants to love us. And I, and I think about when we reject this gift of love, how that, how that must hurt him. And I remember I gave, um, one time I, I gave my husband a birthday gift, and um, I wrapped it all up, and I was really excited about this gift that I got for him, and I put it on his desk, and knew that would be the first thing that he would see when he got up in the morning. And when I got up the next day, I saw that he didn't open the gift. In fact, he had moved it aside out of his way and, and rejected my gift. He didn't open it. 
And so I asked him at, throughout the day, I kept noticing that he wasn't opening it. And I said, are you going to open your gift? And he's like, oh, well, I've just been busy. And, and he just, he never opened the gift. And I think it was seriously like a couple days later that he finally opened the gift. But what I remember from this experience is how I felt. I felt so hurt that he, he rejected my gift. And I think about that, and I think that's probably how God feels when we reject his gift of love. He wants to give us this gift, and, and we reject it. And if we are rejecting this gift, if we're not able to receive this gift, then we need to figure out why. What's keeping us from receiving the gift? Is it shame, shame guilt, feelings of, of unworthiness? Like, what is it? that's keeping us from being able to receive it. Um, and another incredible way that God gives us his gift of love is through his Holy Spirit. In Romans 5.5, 5, it says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever loved somebody so much that you just want to be with them all the time? That's how God feels about you. Not only does God love you and want a relationship with you, but he wants to be with you all the time. And he is with you all the time. And when you start a relationship with him, the Holy Spirit comes in your life, and God is with you all the time through the good and bad. And you can choose to ignore him, but he's still there. He'll never leave you. He's always waiting for you to, to call out to him, to seek him to seek him for comfort and wisdom and guidance. There was a time that I was absolutely in my darkest moment of my life. And I, I, was, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just terrified and alone. And I never in my life ever, ever felt more alone than I did in that moment and it was dark, it was in the middle of the night, and I was alone, and I just was, I, it, was, it was the darkest moment of my life. And I could not feel God's presence, but I knew he was there. I knew he was there, and I'm so thankful for that. I knew because of the truth, all these truths, I know that he was there. And so I, I was crying out, and I, I was just wailing, and I'm like, God, I know you're here. I can't feel you. I can't feel your presence, God. But I know you're here. I know you hear me. And I begged God to give me comfort somehow. And I was like, God, I know that I'm here because of my own choices. I know that I'm here because of, of the, my own fault. But please, God, comfort me. And he did. The next morning when I got up, he connected me to a a connection that was such a huge comfort to me. And it was like the beginning of, of, of huge growth for me. And it was just amazing to me that like, even though I couldn't feel at that time God's presence, the truth of knowing that he's there was so huge. I take so much comfort in knowing that I'm never alone and the Holy Spirit can help us experience a deeper understanding of God's love for us. His presence in our life means that we're never alone. And that's such an awesome, 
amazing gift from God. Just another, another way that he shares his love with us. I want to end with a prayer that um, Paul wrote. Um, it's a, a prayer for spiritual growth. And it's um, written in Ephesians 3, 14 through 29. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, to work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yes, amen. I just want to finish in a prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much for your great love for us, God, your unconditional, perfect, everlasting love. God, I just thank you so much for your spirit. And Father, I just pray that you will just pour into every person who is in this room right now, every person who is hearing this word, God, that your spirit will, will be felt and known. I just thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And thank you all for listening and for being here. And I just really, I just want you to know that God loves you because Jesus, he does. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great day.